Welcome to the Southcrest Live podcast. If this is your first time to listen, please connect with us at www.southcrest.org for more information. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. This week on Southcrest Live, featuring Dr. David Wilson, we move further into our study, Knowing and Growing, from 2 Peter. Continuing Peter's warnings about false prophets, we learn to identify them through their character, conduct, condition, content, and covetousness. Turn to 2 Peter 2, verse 10, as we hear a true picture of false teachers from Pastor David Wilson. Well, I will tell you, this is one of the hardest passages I've ever tried to preach. And because of the length of it, I'm not going to have you stand while I read the entire passage. So I want you to open your Bibles. It's going to be more like a Bible study. And we're going to go quickly because I want to get through this passage of false teachers. And when we come back after Christmas, we'll finish chapter 3, talk about the second coming of Jesus. We'll break for Thanksgiving beginning next Sunday and Christmas and focus on that, and then we'll get back and finish Second Peter. So today, I need you to write fast. I need you to listen fast, and I want you to know it'll be a little bit different. And, 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 God's, and you know, when you preach God's Word, you just have to trust that He's going to put it where it needs to go. If nothing else, you're going to see a true picture of false teachers. A true picture of false teachers. In the early 1980s, there was a televangelist by the name of Peter Popoff. He rose to prominence here in the United States, and on his television programs, he would address or call out specific illnesses of audience members he had never met. And he claimed that this feat was possible through a divine revelation from God. And in 1986, James Randi and Steve Shaw went undercover to prove that Popoff's claim was false or a scam. Randi had a male accomplice dressed as a woman, and Popoff supposedly cured her of uterine cancer. The men also discovered the fact that Popoff was actually using a wireless transmitter in his ear, the staff would have the audience fill out prayer cards, and the televangelist's wife would feed him information through the transmitter in his ear. In May 1986, Randy presented one of the videos on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson, and after this, his ministry's viewer ratings and donations plummeted, and in September 1987, he declared bankruptcy, listing more than 790 unpaid creditors. Folks, it's just one example of many false prophets and teachers throughout history. Amen. If 2 Peter chapter 2 were written in an article format to be published in an evangelical magazine, they wouldn't publish it. They would send it back, and they would say something like, this is just entirely too harsh and too judgmental, or they would say it's too negative, it's too critical of other people. Where's the grace in this? You'll need to rewrite this in a kinder and more gentler, gently, gentler tone. But I want to tell you, Peter tells it like it is because the Holy Spirit inspired him to. And so 
whether you like it or not, this is not a pretty picture. And it's not a fun sermon if you just want to know the truth. But you need to know what a false teacher really is. And so we're going to begin by looking in verse 10 of, of the second half of verse 10, and I call this their depraved character. They are presumptuous or daring, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries or glorious ones. Whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. Now, a couple of things about their character you need to notice. First of all, they're conceited. They are arrogant. They're self-willed, daring. Sometimes the, the word is translated, and a self-willed person is an obstinate person. They're always right. They always know everything, and they want their own way no matter what. You can't ever tell them something they don't already know. Many people, many people, not all, but many people who are successful in business have an obstinate, self-willed arrogance about them, and these false teachers carry, carry that into the spiritual realm. They are people that just know it all. The second thing you'll notice about their characters, they're very contentious. Now, this really shows their ignorance, even though they think they know it all. He says, they're not afraid to speak evil of glorious ones. Now, there's some debate on what this means, and I'll share with you a couple of those things, then I'll tell you the right way. <laughs> After all, I know it all. I'll tell you why I believe the way I do. Some people think it's thinking of church leaders. Some people think it's thinking of leadership in the church. But here's what you need to do. You need to take the corresponding passage in the book of Jude. You know, Jude only has one chapter, so you don't say Jude 1, you just say Jude 8, which is verse 8. There's a correlating passage. In fact, if you read Jude and read 2 Peter chapter 2, they look a lot alike. And Jude, verse 8, speaks about the same things. He said, yet in the same way these men, these men by dreaming, defile the flesh and reject authority and revile, speak evil, blaspheme, angelic majesties. Now, the word angelic majesties is the word doxus, and you have it here in 2 Peter chapter 2. You have it in Jude verse 8. It's, we get our word doxology or praise, or, but the, the glories, it's some kind of angelic majesties. Who are these people? And then they don't even tremble at reviling these. Peter goes on to say that these are, they revile these glories, these angelic majesties. Jude even brings up an, an example in verse 9. He said not only do they revile the angelic majesties, but verse 9 actually says, but Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare same word is daring, did not dare pronounce against him a reviling judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, here's the point. These men, these false teachers, have this idea that they have all power and that they have power over angels. You need to remember, devil was an angel, 
The demons were angels that fell with him. They are stronger than you. You do know that. Because First John says, greater is he that is within me, the Holy Spirit, than he that is in the world. I don't have the power over the devil, neither do you. But God in us is stronger than him. But these guys began to blaspheme angels. They blaspheme the devil. Now, listen to me carefully. We're not supposed to honor the devil. And we're not supposed to honor demonic spirits. But you are supposed to respect the power that they have. Do you understand? And when I say respect, that's probably not the best word. You need to understand the power that they have. You can't make the devil do anything on your own. And yet, it's not uncommon to see guys sometimes stomping up and down on the platform saying, I'm stomping on the devil, and the demons are fearing us coming toward them. But the Scripture says that there was a, an, there was a fight. I, I, that might not be the right word, but Jude verse 9 says that when Moses died, you know Moses didn't go into the promised land. He got to see the promised land, but he died, and the Scripture says God buried him. Well, Jude says that when Moses died, that Michael the archangel came to get the body of Moses, but so did the devil. And Michael, the archangel, did not even blaspheme or revile the devil. He simply said, the Lord rebuke you. The point is this. These guys sometimes act like they can tell the devil to do anything they want. But you can't tell the devil to do anything. You can pray against him, and Jesus can tell him. But you cannot stomp up and down on the devil and act like you've got the power over that. But that's what I'm saying. They're contentious. The, the, the believers that talk this way, they really don't understand the Scripture. Now, I don't want you to be afraid of Satan because I want to tell you, if you've been saved, you have nothing to fear because the Lord's going to take care of you. But you don't go around here just trying to say, well, devil, you just get out of here and I can whip you and all that stuff. They've kind of got this idea. They make it a kind of a circus. We're just going to, they blaspheme. You know, I need to understand that angels are stronger than you and me. Do you do know that, don't you? Have you ever noticed that every time an angel shows up in the scripture, the first thing they say is don't be afraid? And what does that tell you? They're not those fat little cherub angels you've got sitting on your shelf. They're not girly men. They are warriors. And, they, and you and I need to respect them. So even when we speak of Satan, we're not to make a circus out of it, but that's the point he's making. They even blaspheme angelic majesties. Not even Michael, the angel who's greater in power than any man is, would speak to the devil that way. But how many do parade around is that they've got some kind of power? And Peter says, you can just mark this down as an identifying characteristic of a false teacher. They don't know what they're talking about. Now, in verse 12, Peter speaks of the false teacher's degenerate conduct. Look at verse 12. But these, like natural brute beasts made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of things they do not understand. 
and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. What a horrible picture. The first thing he mentions is that in their degenerate conduct, they have no rationale. He said they're like animals. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. You know, you do know that we're not an animal. We are created in the image of God. We have a body, soul, and spirit that's different from the animals. We have rational, cognitive skills. Well, preacher, you ought to see my dog. He's got cognitive skills. He's the smartest dog I've ever had. He may be smart, but he can't speak except roof. He can't carry on a conversation with you. You may understand what he's trying to tell you. Yeah, I need to go out now. You know what that part means. But the fact is, they have no rational cognitive skills. Well, what about monkeys? They're pretty smart. They're not people. You and I are not the highest order of the evolutionary, um, what is the word? It's not a fact. Theory. Evolutionary theory. That's just a theory. It takes more faith to believe that, and that's a whole other story. But the fact is, they have no rational skills. That's what he's saying is, they're not rational in their teaching. They're not thinking. They're like a brute beast made to be caught and destroyed. The second thing is, they have no respect They speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness just as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They they pour abuse on things they don't understand and curse matters they do not comprehend. They speak dogmatically, but they're ignorant. They don't know what they're talking about. But they'll make you think they do. They mock any kind of moral restraint on others. These teachers also do not confine their drunkenness and their sexual immorality just the nighttime. It says they carouse in the daytime. Make no bones about it. No no respect. The third thing is there's no restraint. There's spots and blemishes carousing in their own deception while they feast with you. Look at this phrase, having eyes full of adultery. Actually, the Greek word is adulteresses. Having eyes full of adulteresses that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. These false teachers have a lust problem. They look at every female as a potential adulteress. False teachers will encourage sexual misconduct. They will encourage licentiousness. They openly urge people to indulge in their lust freely. Adultery's okay. You know what? If you don't like your wife, just leave her and find somebody else. Or if you don't like your husband, just leave him and find someone else. Let me tell you something. Adultery is a sin. It is a sin. It's becoming rampant. And yet, it is a sin, just like homosexuality and fornication and greed and covetousness. It can be forgiven if you allow Jesus Christ to change your life. The word entice, they say it entice unstable or catch with bait. Hmm. 
These false teachers lure and hook innocent new Christians or weak Christians by their sweet talk and promises of a life with moral liberty. If you feel like doing it, you just go ahead and do it. Whatever you feel like doing, you're under grace. You can do whatever you want. Men and women who have emotional problems are often easy prey for false teachers who take advantage of their bodies, their minds, and their money, and sometimes all three. They're easy targets. That's why Christians must become established in the Word of God and sound teaching. Look it up for yourself so that you're not tossed like the wind, by the wind, every doctrine to and fro. You, you know what the Bible says. You hear me say every week, compare Scripture with Scripture. Don't just take one Scripture and try to make a doctrine out of it. You, you compare Scripture with Scripture with all of it and see how it's interpreted and see how it... It speaks, and that way you, you will not be in error. Any person not securely anchored to God's word is an open target for, for false teaching. These folks that knock on your door and, and talk you into stuff, how can they do that? Unless you know the word of God. They will do it unless you know the word of God. Can you stand on the truth? Can, can you know the difference between false and true according to the Bible? The third thing is false teachers also have a definite covetousness. Look at verse 14. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity, a dumb donkey, that is a mute donkey, speaking with a man's voice, restrained the madness of the prophet. Now, false teachers are those who use their spirituality for financial gain. Peter says they go the way of Balaam. Now, if you don't know the story or the account of Balaam, you can go to Numbers chapter 22, and you're going to find that Balaam was a religious prophet, not necessarily a godly man, but a religious prophet who tried to use his gift for financial gain, especially when it came to prophesy against the Israelites. And so... He went to, uh, he sold out to Balak, who was a, a foreign king who was going to, he wanted Balaam to prophesy against the Israelites, and Balaam was going to do it, but God sent an angel with a sword to stop him. Amen. And Balaam couldn't see it, but his donkey could. <laughs> and so the donkey stopped. Balaam got off, tried to get him to go, and he wouldn't go, and he hit him a couple of times. And then God allowed the donkey to speak. And he told Balaam, in a West Texas way, I ain't going, there's an angel standing right there with a sword. <laughs> that's not what he said, but that's basically what he said. And this always gives me hope, because if, if God can speak through Balaam's donkey, he can speak through people like me. There's a lot of similarities. The fact is, false prophets, Balaam, Balaam sold out for money. That's what I wanted you to say. He sold out for money. And false prophets, false teachers are always begging for money. It's big business. 
They program themselves for a life of greed and materialism. They become masters at the art of bleeding people of their money. They know all the psychological tricks to get your money. And they don't mind asking. And they give Christianity a pitiful name. They give churches a pitiful name. You don't ever hear me asking for your money. We honor the Lord with what we have. And God uses it in the different ministries of the church and the missions that we support. But you don't ever hear me saying, you know what? If you'll just sow a seed of faith today of $100 or $1,000, then this week all your bills will be paid. You'll be out of debt. If I could make that happen, we'd have the largest offering we ever had. But that's not going to happen. It's a lie, folks. It's a lie. I believe God honors you when you honor him. I do. I have no problem. But you know what? I don't give as an I don't give to get God to give to me. That's the wrong attitude. If it's like if I'm going to give just so I can get more. Where's the honor in that? Lord, I give to you to show that I appreciate what you've given me. I know that if I keep channeling it, you'll keep channeling it through, but I'm not giving so that I can get more. And see, they appeal to that. Listen, if you'll just give, you're going to get this. You'll have gold rings on every finger. False teachers also teach with a deceptive content. Look at verse 17. They are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who've actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. First, you're going to notice they have empty speech. Whatever they say never does satisfy. It's not the truth. It's empty. Palestine, I mean, not Palestine. That, the Romans gave them that name. I need to quit calling it that. Israel, that land was parched. And a shepherd knew what it was like to find a well or an oasis. Can you imagine coming to an oasis in a dry land and there not being any water? He said, that's what false teachers are. They claim to have water, but they don't have any. Jesus said to the woman at the well, everyone who drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. When you take people to Jesus, he satisfies False teachers don't have anything to satisfy you. And he also said they're clouds carried by the wind. They're mist carried by the wind, which is the picture of you've seen mist come up and then the wind carries it off. What they're saying is false teachers will come and go. They'll come up with something new and then they'll be gone. And you can go to any old bookstore and you're going to find a lot of old theological books of something new that somebody came up with that nobody pays attention to anymore. Because folks, when you get away from the word of God, it's not going to last very long. Everybody's coming up with something new. There is no new revelation from the Word of God. 
Now, God may reveal some things to you from his word that you've not ever seen before, but trust me, there's no other testament of Jesus Christ. There's no new word of knowledge that comes that's contrary to the word of God. There's nothing new. It's, it's right here. And all they have is empty speech. They've also got an enticing sensuality. The word entice, again, is a fishing word. means to catch with bait. And they lure people. What's amazing, they lure young Christians or they lure somebody who's just trying to get their life together. They're coming out of the ways of error. It says they lure them in with their enticing sensuality. In other words, basically they say, you know what? If you'll come give your life to Jesus, you're saved by grace now. The rules are off. Just live like you want. You're under grace. No more rules. God's changed his mind on a lot of that stuff. No more rules. You can live in the lifestyle you want to live in. You can do whatever you want to. That's enticing. That makes people feel good. Yeah, I want you to tell me that I'm, I'm feeling good. I want you to tell me how great I am. I want you to tell me that I can live like I want, that if I feel like one day I don't want to do this, they don't have to, I can leave my husband or my wife or whatever. They will tell you anything. And it's enticing because if anybody tells you, if you feel like doing it, go ahead. Did your mom and dad let you do that? No, they don't. The third thing is they, their teaching leads to an enslaving sin. It says they are slaves of corruption trying to lead you to liberty. They're already slaves to their own sin. What continues to overcome you dominates your life. John 8, 34, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. A characteristic of a false teacher is they're a slave to sin. Now all of us struggle with sin, but we're not slaves to it. We have power over it because Jesus that lives in us. Now, finally, you're going to notice what I'm going to call their deplorable condition. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, verse 20, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Can a Christian, a true, born-again, believing Christian, lose their salvation? Sounds like it right here, doesn't it? This passage refers to people who've never had salvation. I emphasized the word knowledge when I read it. Through the knowledge of the Lord. There's two kinds of knowledge. There's head knowledge. There's experiential knowledge. Another way of stating this is knowledge but not knowing. 
There are a lot of you that I know better than others that I know. I know some of you, but I know my wife, Laura, who I've been married to for 40 years, better than any of you. And she knows me better than any of you, too. If I were to say, I know Donald Trump, is that true or false? Well, you can't win on that one. I know who he is, but I don't know him personally. Do you see the difference? It's one thing to know up here but you can be 14 inches away from really knowing from your heart when you commit your life to Jesus. And that's what he's saying here. Well, then how can I know for certain that if I'm saved? How do I know? Because sometimes I struggle with sin. How do I know if I'm saved? I'll tell you how you know. Obviously, to be saved, you don't just pray a prayer. You have to commit your life to Jesus Christ. You do it in prayer, but you commit your life. You repent of your sin. You ask God to forgive you. You commit your life to Jesus. You will want to be baptized as the first act of obedience. It's not optional. And how do you know that you're saved? Because you keep on loving him and you keep on following him. Amen. Now, I'm going to get something else. You're going, wait a minute, wait a minute. What can a, can, a, can a Christian stray? Yeah, we're going to talk about that in just a second, but I want to tell you, a person that, that's why we don't baptize babies. First of all, that doesn't do anything. Babies are safe until they, have the, they reach that age where they can know the difference. But folks, sometimes people make a commitment or they pray a prayer or whatever, and then they may get baptized, and then they disappear, and you think, well, what happened to them? I'll tell you what happened to them. 1 John 2, 19 says, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Every church has a role full of people that never attend anymore. Now, I'm not talking about the ones who can't for health reasons. They don't care. The sad thing is that some of these people are deceived into thinking that just because they walked an aisle and shook the preacher's hand and got dunked in the baptistry that they're going to heaven one day. I want to tell you, it's one thing to preach the, sh the pastor's hand. It's another thing to meet the master, Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him, you've never committed your life to him and follow him, one of the proofs that you're saved is the perseverance of the saints. You'll keep on keeping on. Now, the Scripture says they've escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They've known the way of righteousness. It refers to the fact that they understand God's plan of salvation. They just never committed their life. I can tell you how to get to my office. I can tell you what doors to go through, what halls to go down. I can tell you what's in my office and so forth. And so you're free to go in there. You'll have the knowledge but how many of you would go in there? See, you can have the knowledge and not go there. You can know how to get to heaven and not go there. You're looking at a professional. Listen, I've been in church percentage-wise longer than most of you. I went to church nine months before I was born. <laughs> Helped my mother play the piano. And I know all the churchies, the churchanese language. I know all the, the choreography. I know when to stand up, sit up, shut up, give up, all that. I know when to do all of that. 
My dad was a preacher. You couldn't say, well, I, we were there every time the doors were open. <laughs> we were there when the doors were closed. We had the keys. <laughs> you cannot out, you cannot up one me on this one. You just can't do it. And any other PK in here, there's a lot of preacher's kids. We're a force to be recognized. How many preacher's kids are in here right now? You don't mess with us. There's enough of us. We can, we can handle you. But I'm just telling you, you can know all about it and not know Jesus because I've been there. Baptized when I was six years old. Realized at the age of 12 that I didn't know Jesus. I knew this time. And that's when I repented of my sin. And I said, Jesus, all that I can tell you as a 12-year-old boy is I'll give you my life right now. And I'll serve you the rest of my life. Have I been perfect? Far from it. Have I ever strayed off? Oh, I've run a tire off the road every now and then. I've never gotten in the ditch. But I'll tell you, the Lord keeps bringing you back. Known the way of righteousness. Let me tell you something. First of all, if you know Christ and you've committed your life to him and you're a born-again believer, you don't have to worry about facing the judgment of God. But if you don't know Jesus, you're going to face a stricter judgment than those who've never heard. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty-one: 21. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. People in Lubbock, Texas have heard about Jesus. They, most of them have a Bible. They don't respond to Christ. When they stand in the judgment one day, it's going to be a lot worse for them than it will be for somebody who's never heard because you've been given the knowledge. You know. You know what to do, but you didn't do it. Another way to describe these false teachers is they're not a believer but a make-believer. Now, he's warning about the presence of people who claim to be followers of Christ, but they're only make-believe. Now, I should have put up a disclaimer up here, warning, graphic illustrations. Because this is a graphic illustration right out of the book of Proverbs. He uses two very graphic illustrations about counterfeit Christians, counterfeit Christians. He said, first of all, a counterfeit Christian, not a real one, but a counterfeit is like a sick dog. Now, the dogs referred to in 2 Peter are not those sweet little domesticated animals that you have at home. These were mean, mangy curs that hung around the garbage piles in Israel. In fact, if you were called a dog, it was an insult. There's one other verse in the Bible that mentions dogs and pigs together. You know what it says? Jesus said, do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to the pigs or cast your pearls before swine. If you do, they may trample them under feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Now, the question is, if I become a Christian, can I still sin or do I still sin? Yes, but not continually. Amen. Now, 
A dog will eat its own vomit. You ever seen one do it? It's real appetizing, isn't it? Why does a dog do that? Because it's his nature to do it. A lost person loves to sin because it's their nature to do it. The Bible says no one who's born of God will continue to sin habitually because God's seed remains in him and he cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. A counterfeit Christian can come to church and on Sunday and then go out and continually live in adultery and fornication and steal and lie and cheat because it's their nature. But a Christian, who does, a, Christian a born again Christian, his sin will make him sick. Now, you would not eat your own vomit. In fact, some of you are about to do that now after I said that. <laughs> but here's the point. The point is, because you're a Christian, when you sin now, it ought to be that repulsive to you. I mean, to think about it is disgusting and yucky and gross and foul and putrid and horrid and repulsive and repugnant, detestable, it's obscene. And when we sin, that's the way sin ought to be for a real believer. It ought to make us sick, spiritually speaking. You see, you just can't go on continually living in sin. Now, the other illustration is a slimy hog. It's the nature of a pig to love mud. I've seen a lot of wild hogs. They love mud, especially in hot weather. It's amazing, though. You can put lipstick on a pig. <laughs> you can bathe a pig. You can make it sweet-smelling and all. But if you let it go, it's going to the mud. Why? It's their nature. A pig is a pig, no matter how much lipstick you put on it. I've even noticed my dog. We've got a dog. You're welcome to him anytime. <laughs> oh, he's nice. He's just irritating at times. We'll have him groomed. You let him outside, the first thing he's going to do, he's going to go wallow in the grass. And if there's anything dead around, he thinks it's perfume. He's going to wallow in that too. Why? It's his nature. He's a dog. Here's the question. Can a Christian stray away from God? Yes. But they won't stay forever unless they die. You see, because their nature you're a child of God. He will come after you. He will discipline you. He will find a way to bring you back home. If you've really been saved, if you've really been born again, then you cannot stray away from God and forever stay out here. John said, you never were really of the fold. 
You see, a pig returns to this mud because it's the nature of a pig to love mud. And don't be surprised when you see some people start attending church. And they may start to clean up their lives a little bit, but then before long they've gone back to their old filthy sinful lifestyle. I'm going to tell you something. Their heart never changed. I'm not the judge. I'm not going around judging people. If you've read that, you've read that wrong. But I'm just telling you that when you sin as a Christian, it's just not as successful as it was. You just don't enjoy it like you did. But I want to tell you something more repulsive than a sick dog and a slimy hog, and that is hell. It's not a joke. It's a real place. Jesus talked about it three times more than he talked about heaven. Amen. And people that don't know Jesus are already on that road. But God is trying to divert you. He's put everything in your way. He's put the gospel He's put praying people. He's put the church. He's put the Bible. He's put all of the truth out there, the knowledge of salvation. He's put all out there in that road, and people are walking all around it on the road to hell. God's not going to send anybody there. They're already on the road there because of their rebellion, because of their sin, for the wages of sin is death, not might be it is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So, folks, I don't know what you got out of this message today. For one thing, don't believe everything you hear. Compare it to the Scripture. Just because somebody's on television doesn't mean they're right. Don't buy it. If you don't know Jesus, you need to come to him today. Repentance means to change your mind. Lord, here's my life. I'm separated from you. I am a sinner separated from you. And I ask you now to forgive me. I haven't done anything to deserve it but Jesus died on the cross for me. And so, Lord, I ask you now to forgive me because Jesus paying for the, my sin, and I believe he rose again. And, and, Lord, I right now commit my life to you. I ask you to come in and to save me. Lord, I, I give you all my life. You're going to be the boss. You're the Lord. Listen, however you say it, you don't just pray a prayer and get up and go. It's, Lord, here's my life. Why would God want to save you? Because he loves you. That's why. Thank you, Pastor David. In the closing verses of 2 Peter 2, the apostle creates a vivid portrait of what a false teacher looks like. His character is depraved, his conduct degenerate, his content is deceptive, and his condition deplorable. And... As we examine his actions closely, we also find that there is definite covetousness in his life. These are warnings of which Christians today would do well to take heed. 
Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Be sure to catch our next installment of the Southcrest Live podcast. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you would like more information, to make a commitment, or to request prayer, please text the word podcast to 555-888. You can also connect with us on our Southcrest app or our website for complete worship services or to plan to visit us in person. Thanks again for listening.